I, um, but I bring my kids to the state competition every year. And I was, um, last year I, I, uh, I introduced one of my review writer. I, I told her, I'm like, you should listen to Julian Baker. And she's like, Oh, I've never heard of her, but she's like into like car seat headrest and like mm-hmm. all of these, like, you know, like kind of hot indie bands. I'm like, you haven't heard of Julian Baker. She's mm-hmm. like, no. And now it's like, like one of her favorite artists. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, that's by the way, the other cool thing about being a teacher is like, I get to turn people on my students on to music. Oh, They're a captive I love audience. doing that. <laughs> I used to always play a music video while the students would come in. And yeah, like, cool. I, st- I still get them messaging me like, Oh man, when you showed me thrice or blood brothers, like that changed my yeah. day, my life, man. <laughs> Welcome to the EduPunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman, welcoming you to another conversation with the Daily Disruptor and an Everyday Educator. Today I'm talking with my buddy Dane Erbach, who is the founder of Table Turn, the vinyl subscription company that I have hyped up multiple times on this podcast, almost once a month. I use the, the subscription. Uh, I get a record every month from him, which is really cool. Uh, and Dane also happens to be a high school teacher. So I wanted to talk to him about his work as an educator, what got him into education, and what keeps him around. We also get into a discussion on like teaching as a performance and what it looks like to show up every day when your life is pretty hectic and pretty busy. I used to be a high school teacher for a little while, and so he and I kind of hit on that together, which is really great. We also get into uh, the back end and what it looks like for Dean to organize and manage all of the record labels he talks with so that he can make a vinyl subscription uh, work out make that actually happen and it's really fascinating to hear the the types of work that he has put into that he also owns a record label which we'll get into as well and has been a musician for many years so it's a really fascinating conversation that we got to have while he was sitting in a starbucks uh which was really great you'll hear some of that background noise throughout this conversation and yeah want to thank folks for checking out last week's episode uh with julian baker which was really fun conversation really great hope folks joy enjoyed the extra episode about running uh that was really fun to get to nerd out with her about that because we're both big nerds about running and self-care and running for self-care also you get to hear some sweet tunes from the new man mountain album called infinity mirror it comes out this week on spartan records uh it's a really great album lots of amazing instrumental tunes Uh, i was a big fan of their first ep uh, back when it was released and then I heard nothing from them and now here they are again. You'll get to hear lots of those tunes throughout this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please tell your friends, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell folks, share it with folks. That would be really helpful. Thanks to everyone who entered our vinyl 
giveaway. That was a really cool opportunity to share some new tunes that me and Jacqueline and Christine had shared a couple weeks ago on In Between Spins. There we'll have our third episode coming up in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. And for now, we're going to get into this conversation with Dane. I'm not going to dilly-dally anymore. Hope you're all doing well in the world. For now, let's get to this conversation with Dane and learn some more about table turn. But first, we're going to talk about education. That's what we're talking about first. Then we'll talk about table turn. Sitting here digitally with my friend Dane Erbach, who's out in Chicago, Chicago area. Yeah, well, the suburbs. Not, suburbs. Not cool enough to be in the actual city or anything like that. It's always the suburbs, right? Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not technically in Boston. I'm in Quincy. Sure, it's, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> like when I was in Chicago, like over the winter, and I sent you a message. I was like, "Hey, you're in Chicago, right? We can meet up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, we're not we're not far. It's not like a huge trek to get down to Chicago, but. You know, Chicago's traffic is notoriously horrible, so oh, any yeah. trip is like, you know, a two-hour drive and all that. So uh, It's a whole thing. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dane, you and I have been connected for a little bit, and I know a little bit about you, but why don't you, why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself? Cool. Okay, so um, I live in the Chicago area, like we, we said, um, and I've been a teacher in the Chicago suburbs for, gosh, I think it's been like 12 years now. Um, Dang. I teach at yeah, I teach at um, uh, a public high school in, uh, in the suburbs where literally the Chicago suburbs meets the cornfields of Illinois in the northwest um, suburbs of, of Chicago. So um, it, the, I, I teach at McHenry High School, and in the summer I teach at a gifted and talented program at Northwestern University called the Center for Talent Development. Um, and we can probably get more into that later, though. Um, that sounds intense. That sounds like yeah. a, a combine, like a sports combine, but for smart kids. It's it's literally a smart kid camp. I mean, it's That's literally cool. like we're going to spend three weeks living in the dorms at Northwestern and learning and getting high school credit. Wow. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> so more, we can talk more about that, and because there's some interesting stuff to talk about there for sure. But um. But yeah, and then I, um, you know, I'm a busy guy outside of my career. I have a family. I have two boys, a five-year-old and a, and a three-year-old, and I've been married to my wife now for almost 10 years. And then um, I run a couple businesses. I run a vinyl subscription service called Table Turned. Mm-hmm. And big I fan. run... And, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of you being a big fan, by the way. And... Um, <laughs> and I run a small um, record label called Jetsam Flotsam as well. And... I think in addition to all of that, I was thinking about this this morning when I was thinking about the podcast. Like, I'm going to have this very, it's going to sound impressive, but it's not as impressive. But this launch list of things, because I'm an aspiring novelist, too, so I write a lot. In the, and I, I uh, have, you know, I, I write a lot of uh, music reviews. I interview a lot of bands and stuff like that, too. So I'm just teacher, writer, record guy, <laughs> you know, family <laughs> guy. I just do, I probably do way too much. No, I think that's great because I think you and I have a lot in common in that in that regard. It seems like even as an educator, we got to keep ourselves busy in the creative stuff so we don't, you know, yeah. lose our minds a little bit. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, cool. So what what got you first interested in entering the education field? How'd you get into it? So um, I uh, 
you know, when I when I think back at this question, I, I think back at high school about the the good teachers that I had, and um, and I think when I was a freshman, I had um, an English teacher that was really pretty. Um, I don't know. She was just a, she was a decent teacher. She was a good teacher, you know, but not one of those like life affirming, like inspiring teachers. Just someone that I felt like I could connect with. And then I had her again my senior year, and it, it kind of was became a different kind of relationship where like. She seemed to not. She seemed to care for me as a person and not just a teacher, and I, and I liked that feeling. And then there's another teacher I'll never forget. Um, he was a sociology teacher, and he was kind. Of, he had to have been like a new teacher because he seemed a little like he was flailing a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but like on Halloween that year, he like hid in the closet for two or three minutes and then jumped out wearing a mask and scared us. And oh. and it was one of the. It was just one of those things. Where was like, what are you doing? Are you really a teacher? But it was one of those things too that made me. I don't know, excited to go to his class. And I'll never forget when 9-11 happened, I was a senior, and he engaged in this really long dialogue with us about kind of, you know, global culture and global politics and some of the things that led up to, you know, to why why there's there's uh, terrorists coming after the United States. And, I mean, like, uh, you know, you know, two hours after the, the, the buildings collapsed. And, and I remember thinking, like, what teacher... What other teacher would do that? You know, so I had these these experiences that I thought were pretty, pretty good. And then I went to college and my experiences in college weren't that good because I came to realize that the, the professors there didn't often enough care about the, the person. They just sort of were there to be the experts. Uh, so, yeah, I had that experience when I first went to college. Mm-hmm. My fr- I, I've, I've kind of talked to to to. To no end about my first year of college, and I was at University of Oregon. I just did not really click there mm. until I found my home at Oregon State, and then I loved it. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's kind of like I'm here to be the beacon of information. You listen to me, right? Yeah, it's very teacher centered and well, professor centered, and and it has more to do with content and less to do with skill and. And so, you know, I remember sitting in those those classrooms. I, I was able to keep up, and I did pretty good. And I went to a small liberal arts college in the Chicago area here called Lake Forest. And and um, and then I had this um, African American uh, studies, no, African American literature teacher, and she was she was that again, just like one of those teachers I had in college. Now I'm not sure that she was as like into knowing me as a person but there's something about the way she delivered her teaching and i remember thinking in the back of my head like if i were a teacher i'd be like her hmm. like she she was like super thoughtful and engaging and she asked the right questions and she had this kind of i don't know this way of carrying herself that was it, it just was like man that's i want to be her like that's the teacher i would be hmm. Now, mind you, at this point, I'd never, ever considered being a teacher. Not once. I was hmm. going to be the drummer in a punk band. Like, I was <laughs> I was yes. going to be on the road, you know? Like, my plans weren't really... I wasn't thinking really that far beyond just whatever class I was in. And then, so I would go from that class to the next semester to a, a professor who, um, who just was so egotistical. I was like, oh, I would never want to be a teacher like that. And so now all of this kind of builds up in my head to a point... Or I, it finally got to the point where I was comparing all the teachers I was having, or all the professors I had, to all the teachers I had, to the kind of teacher I want would have wanted to be. And then I'm like, why don't I just teach? You know, and like it eventually just hit me like, why not just, you know, maybe this would be fun. You spend enough time daydreaming about this. So 
I literally like ran over to the education building, asked a couple questions, filled out an application, and I was officially like an education major. And so, so yeah, then I, I jumped through the hoops and did student teaching and all the internships and stuff like that. And, and then, you know, then I was a teacher. Surprise. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so are you that teacher now that you wanted to be? How much of yourself do you bring to the classroom? See, so like, so to answer like the first part of that, I think I am, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's hard, you know, because I, um, you know, you don't always really know if you're the, the thing about being a teacher is like, you don't really know how good you're doing. You know, I'll, if yeah. the kids are, if the kids seem to connect with you, if they want to be in your class, that's about as good as you get. But otherwise, you know, like your best, your smartest kid in the class might be the kid who never turns in a paper or, or the kid who's like struggling the most, you know, if he goes from a D to a C, like there's a major victory there, but none of that is really indicative of your teaching. It's always like, so, so I, I, but I do think one of my philosophies as a, as an instructor is to reveal my own humanity to my students and for them to know that I'm an accessible human, that I'm not a robot, that I don't sleep in like the closet in my classroom every night or under a cot or in a cot <laughs> under my, you know, like I'm, I'm a person. At least not want, every night. <laughs> I mean, you know, some nights when it's you know, finals <laughs> and stuff, but, um, but you know, like it's. I, I try to get them to see like, Hey, there's a person here who cares about you. And, and I was having a conversation with my freshmen today. They, you know, some of them are like, you know, you're, you're like a really good teacher. And I don't get that that often. I know that sounds really egotistical. Like I'm talking about my students and how much they love me, but, but they, <laughs> um, I, I, it's not like that most days, but they're like, we really like you as a teacher because like you're willing to like show us who you really are. And I'm like, yeah, because, and I was trying to explain to him, I'm like, I'm doing that, you know, because it, it's who I am, but it also helps me reach you and helps you trust me. And they're like, yeah, we get it. And that was kind of one of those nice little moments, like those, those affirmations where, where I do feel like I've, I've become that engaging teacher that seems to care about their students, whose students actually know that I care about them. And yeah. Uh, and how much of your of your like personality? How much of yourself do you actually oh, yeah. bring to the class? Yeah, and you know, I I know that. Um, I mean, you're a musician too, so you know how it feels to be in front of a group of people and to feed off of them, yeah. and then to just like. And oh, just you to, can like, also you can also feel, you can you can like te- you can sense what might not work right. on a certain day. Like you can you get a good sense of the room. That's something that I've learned a lot from performing and like, cause I do a lot of talks at other like colleges and stuff. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can get a good sense the second I walk in, if I can work, if I can work in certain jokes right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it, I, I like comparing, um, teaching to being a performer, even though when I was in college, they were telling me like, you're not an entertainer. That's not your job. Your job is to teach them, not to entertain them. But I kind of call BS on that. Eh, yeah, I no, I would call BS is, too. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's probably more to that to talk about. Um, but but I guess what I'm getting at is there's something expressive about teaching. Mm-hmm. And there's something where, like, if you kind of, you know, pour it out while you're doing it, and um, you can kind of get into that zone where you you can't not be you, you know? And, uh, and, and, Yes, you're right. You can feel the room. You can feel how much of yourself you can let out. And when sometimes you need to take a step back and, and, you know, I'm not, I'd like to say I'm a really professional teacher, but there are times when like, you know, 
I'll accidentally drop a casual swear or I'll just start rambling about saying some hippy dippy like creative writing technique <laughs> like about getting in getting into your dream zone and like you know yeah. and and the kids stay with me you know and so so I guess I guess what I'm getting at is like I, I really do bring a lot of me to the table which is probably why my days feel really exhausting sometimes is, oh my gosh you know right yeah. Like that's that's where what, what you what you got me thinking about while you're talking about that just now is, um, I'll I'll luckily I'm not I, I say this like it's a bad thing but I'm not teaching high school anymore I taught high school for a little while but like in my current role like I'll teach like a couple workshops a day or I'll do these like longer talks and by the end of them I'm exhausted and yeah. I have to go like shut off for like a couple minutes or something before I move on to my next thing or just walk outside a little bit. Yeah. Teaching I think teaching is a performance because you yeah. really there's a lot of preparation involved. The way that you present it to students has to actually like click with them. So right. you have to be creative, you have to be thinking about that stuff and well, you need to, it takes and, energy. And I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt too, but you also need to you need to buy into it too. So like in a weird way, it's you're kind of like I mean, you need to kind of embody that concept. You need to embody that idea. Um, I mean, and, and that's hard to do when you're teaching math or when you're teaching, you know, shoot, like when you're teaching verb tense. You know, like mm-hmm. it's really hard for you to like be verb tense. But but like, <laughs> but I mean, it's sort of true. You need to like let yourself. You need to l- like let yourself be um, I, the 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 subject the. The thing you're teaching, and yeah, that I mean, it's like you're playing a role, even though even if you're being yourself, you're still playing a role, and that's tiring, you know, like to to push that enthusiasm out there so that everyone else can be enthusiastic too. Oh, one hundred percent. And I think it's interesting because not even not only is teaching a performance to me, I look at, I mean, life is very much a performance. I think we all like there are lots of days where I kind of have to like, I have to like paint a smile on because I'm not feeling that great. And I, I gotta, I gotta bring it to a classroom or to a group of students and I don't want them to think that I'm not there and I don't care. So, but some days I'm not there. I'm not myself. And having taught high school for a little while, I know that it can be pretty draining. How do you balance all that stuff? How do you balance work and life and stressors? (laughs) I don't, you know, I don't know. It's hard because, you know, I think the easy answer is like my family helps balance me because, you know, I'll get home from work and, you know, I have a kindergarten here and he's in like a dual language kindergarten. So he's, he's learning Spanish alongside Spanish speakers who are learning English. And he comes home with like these sweet drawings that he's made and he's talking, he's telling us new words he's learning in Spanish and it's just really cool. And, and then my three, year old is like kind of coming into his own now he's finally out of that just like screaming yelling for things face but then like sometimes they're crazy and then coming home to a family feels like i I like like you just said putting on that happy face and being like oh like i gotta i gotta stay positive even though this is overwhelming at home yep (laughs) you know so i mean i know everyone my family is is like you know everyone everyone's got their thing too where sometimes you leave work and it's still you still feel like you're you're on you're at work you you can't shut down so like honestly part of the balance for me is um like my creative outlets Mm -hmm. so um it'll be like you know i wake up every morning at 4 30 and i just chip away a little bit at something i'm working on writing wise it'll it's mostly a novel or it's 
but sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give myself like two hours after work to, to write up a review on something or, or, you know, and it's, it's, that's work. But then at the end of it, you feel like, like it, it kind of feel like, like you let something out and you succeeded and, and you feel like, Oh, okay, that's, I'm good now. Um, and, and I think the morning one is good. You know, when I, I write from like four thirty or so to like six and at the end of that, I feel like ready for my day. So there's something about, I, I, I the answer is stupid because I'm basically balancing work with more work. Um, <laughs> but, Sorry, I get exactly what you're saying. <laughs> but, but I these, get exactly the, what you're saying. <laughs> But, but it's like that effort, that effort feels right to me. And I think, you know, Table Turned and Jets and Flats and, you know, like working with bands to put out music or or working with labels. You know, if I get 20 minutes during my lunch, I'll, you know, shoot, I sent an email to, who did I, I've been in touch with Hobbledehoy in Australia for the mm-hmm. past couple of days, you know. And I've been, um, who else have I been emailing back and forth with a lot? Oh, I just finished putting something together with Car Park Records and I think they're in D.C. And... You know, like we're, I'm just making connections and shooting emails out. And for some reason that, um, it feels like a little frantic in the moment, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when I come home, I can be like, oh man, you'll never guess what label talked to me today. And you know, (laughs) you know, you'll never guess what record we like, we landed on. And you know, every time I come home, there's another big box of records on my front porch. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So like there's something, (laughs) there's something exciting about these like creative adventures of mine and then and then sometime you know it sucks in the winter i know you guys are getting a lot of snow right now but uh yeah. but in the, in the summer it's you know like this is where having a family is definitely more of the perk because we'll just like hop in the car and walk around a park for an hour or let my kids like wear themselves out at a splash park or something while i just read or i just you know sit in the sun with my wife or it's just yeah. so it's really, even though all of these things, family included, sometimes adds to the stress and adds to the work. It's also at the same time, like the balancing act. It's the thing that that gives me, you know, the peace, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, 100 um, percent. One of the things that Katie and I always talk about is like, like, we don't have we don't have kids. And so when we come home, we come home to our cats <laughs> And so it's generally still pretty quiet when we come home and we've both, since we're both kind of around students all the time, Mm -hmm. home is like the space where we can like chill out and be quiet. Even though like I'm a pretty loud person in general, (laughs) this is like where it sounds like you're a morning person like me. And Mm -hmm. so I'm up early and I'm doing things and I'm, doing yoga. To, I'm working on the, the podcast stuff. I'm working on our nonprofit stuff. And so like making that time for those things is really important. And the only time I really have for it is like first thing in the morning, because Katie likes to get their sleep, which is totally fine. I get my sleep. But at the end of the day, when we're coming home from work, that's when we can both just like chill out. And I try yeah. to... I try to like focus on us being together because we don't get a lot of that time right. otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that that's the other thing. Like my wife grounds me. You know, she's sort of like she's like the I, for the label more of a silent partner and for table turned well actually for both of them she's the wall I bounce ideas off of and we yeah. and we we discuss things a lot. Um but, you know, though for the label, she definitely acknowledges that I'm the guy who's, you know, actively looking for bands and stuff like that. But but 
but for sure, like, the thing that brings me the most peace is that exactly what you said, that quiet time when you finally just get to be, you finally just get to be in each other's proximity, on each other's radar for that little bit of time because, because there's so many other things that demand your attention during the day, you know, especially when you're a turn. Oh, 100%. So. Um, now, mm-hmm. from your, one last thing on, like, education sure. um what from your perspective like what is like a pressing issue that you see students like your students dealing with these days oh man it's like a big question it is a big like, question <laughs> it's almost like too many things come to mind because the very first thing that comes to mind is like this dumb high school teacher cop-out answer which is technology because you know my kids are constantly on their phones and i constantly need to be a police officer and it's so, so frustrating because because, th- you know, there's this generation um, of kids who have never n- not known what a smartphone is, you know, mm-hmm. and they they like, n- you know, I think a lot of of uh, Generation Xers just sort of like, well, these kids know what they're doing. Let's just let them explore technology and learn on their own. And meanwhile, these kids don't know how to print or what the tab button on a keyboard does or like like they literally are kind of computer illiterate. Um and yet they're on it all the time, and it's like, so they, they view it as their entertainment, and they're, they need constant entertainment. And technology, I think, is I think screwed up their minds. But that's the angry teacher answer, and I don't think that's the, the answer I, I really mean because I, I think I think the um, the kids are that, always on their phones these days. These, these kids and their Snapchats and their Twitters and yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's it's like, but I mean, you know, how many times did I get my Sony Walkman? like confiscated for me when I was in high school. So my gosh, I don't want to get started on it. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I think, you know, honestly, the real issues are the one, like the ones that I'm having conversations with my students about are these are, are issues that have to do with, um, Oh, what's, what's the, what's the good fancy word that I want to use here. I mean, the, 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 have giving them a little bit of, um, uh, shoot. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's, um, no, I'm, it's, I don't know why I can't think of the word. The dumbed-down version is like they are struggling with how to spread, speak their truth and, and how, to, how to get their voice out there. And this is in, like in a million different ways. So, like, you know, I had a student last semester who'd eat lunch with me, and she's in this sort of interesting position where she's, she's an illegal immigrant, and she's not a dreamer, but her family's a dreamer. And her parents were sent back to Mexico, so she's living with, like, her sister but she's not sure what that means for her for college she's not sure what that means for her you know with the political climate going on with you know with the political conversations going on with with um you know like the dream act and all of that stuff and she's sort of in limbo and you know like she emailed me last week and says oh my gosh i'm finally gonna do it i'm just gonna go and go to college and see what i can do and you know so she's gunning for it but like i had to talk her into it you know, I had to talk her into like, cause she's, she's, I think very, I think she's afraid and, and I think rightfully so because she doesn't know what her future in the United States looks like. But then there's like, you know, all this stuff about guns. We've been talking in my classes, you know, it's, it, being a public school teacher, you have to, you have to tightrope a little bit about politics, but you, but one of the things I'm most proud of is I want my students to be able to have a, a place to, to make sense of this stuff. You know, um, and, and so like with with things like should teachers have guns? Should um, 
what what kind of gun control measures should happen in the wake of you know what happened in Florida and and um, and what I'm finding is my students are really struggling to they don't know how to they don't know how to feel empowered and and or they live in a society where they don't feel empowered so they need to shove their way kind of like out there to to speak their truths and it's it's I think it's really frustrating this to me is a big educational issue because we have a bunch of people who are used to metaphorically speak you know shouting from the rooftops like they they kind of feel like everything many of my students feel like like what they put on out there on the internet whether it's on their facebook or twitter or on their goddamn wattpad account or whatever you know like they're they're this is their way of speaking out there to the people like to the people around them and and when you know then there's then they get into like weird twitter or facebook fights and stuff <laughs> and there's drama involved but then when they try to do it in real life it's like the grown-ups around them aren't willing to listen you know mm. like no it's like like why should one of my students who's an illegal immigrant need to come to their english teacher to talk you know yeah. why should why should a, a kid who's like kind of afraid to come to school like because of of potential violence or why you know why do they come to their english teacher to talk and i feel like i feel like that's an educational issue because I feel like it means that teachers need to become different kind of agents for for this, um, this. I still can't come up with the word. This sort of like voice bringing. I, I feel very hippy dippy talking about this. I'm sorry. If don't, it's, it's no, very don't worry. I, I mean, I'm from Oregon. I'm used to that stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I've had to I've had to balance that a lot over the years because I'm a very I'm I'm a very accessible educator and. There was a time when I when I was teaching that students would come up to me and like confide a lot of stuff in me. And I'm like the first person there talking to about like mental health, about being queer, about all these things. And to me, it was they hadn't had perhaps a quote unquote role model that yeah. was accessible enough for them to feel comfortable talking about that. And to me, that's indicative of the entire education sphere for a field that wants to be accessible and educational at the same time. A lot of people aren't very good at it. Yeah. Another way of thinking about it is this, like if, if kids are so are so used to communicating with each other through devices and through screens and stuff the some of the only people they're going to talk to face to face all day might be their teachers some of their mm -hmm. closest friends but possibly their teachers they might get home say hi to their parents and hide in their room the rest of the night and then talk to their friends through different chatting like platforms yeah, yeah, yeah. so so in in some ways like a teacher's got to be prepared to be like the person, like maybe one of the only people they're going to talk to face to face. And maybe they, you know, and, and with that comes some of like the, like, like willingness to listen, a willingness to hear them, a willingness to let, like encourage them to speak their truths and stuff. Um, you know, what, what you said kind of reminded me a few years ago, um, I had, and this was kind of an interesting case for me because I had two twin students, two twin female students who came out to me and said, you know, we're not female. We both identify as, as male. And they too came from like, um, they, they're, I, I think they were actually, I don't know their immigration status, but they came from, they were obviously immigrants 
Um, and they came from a family that would not accept their gender identities yeah. and they had to keep it secret. And so like, I was like, wait, I'm the first person you're telling. And they both nodded and I'm like, and they're identical twins too, which they're like, you know, which is kind of also adorable that these two twins are looking at me like, like there's like, they're judging my response. What do you, Hey teacher, what are you going to, how are you going to look at us now? And the yeah. only thing I could do was thank them for trusting me. And and they were like, you know, they're expressing all this frustration. Like, we can't even, like, dress the way we feel like we want to dress. We feel, like, sh- like ashamed of who we are, like, because we're yeah. phony and stuff. We don't even have we don't even have men's shirts to wear. Yeah. And I said, you know, I've got the perfect shirts, though, for you guys. And so I handed them both um, against me. Well, one of them was an against me shirt, and one of them was a, was a rise against shirt. So just some old ones that I had yeah. lying around. I'm like, I'm like, where are these? And they, like, looked at me like I had literally just given them like college tuition or Aww. something like I just, you know, and, but it was like, why me? You know? And, and I think the answer I keep coming to is on the one hand, I, again, I, I pride myself in trying to be an accessible teacher. But on the other hand, teachers are becoming like, that's part of the role that teachers are starting to play, you know, mm. and just being willing to like be the, you know, to, to empower kids to, to voice who they are and, let them be who they are and say what they want to say. So again, I'm kind of rambling. So sorry. No, you're about good. That. I couldn't have said that any, any better. You nailed that last bit right there. I like that a lot. All right. Time for our first break from the podcast to just give you a quick heads up about Table Turned. Uh, you're about to learn all about its origins from Dane, which I'm really excited about. And there's a very important deadline. Tonight is the deadline for their special early bird price of $160 for the year. You'll get a record every single month for a year. $160 super cheap if you want to get uh in their post hardcore subscription or their shoegaze revival subscription tonight is your last opportunity to get that cheap price after today it'll go up just 15 more dollars to 175 dollars and then they'll open up the monthly uh pay by month uh, option if that's a little bit easier for your wallet. So if you like some post-hardcore tunes, if you like bands like Thursday, Circus Survive, Lot of Spew, or if you like shoegaze, like Nothing, Pity Sex, My Bloody Valentine, go to table-turn.com and get yourself a subscription. Get yourself some records delivered straight to your home and support Dane's work, his hard work that you're about to hear all about. I'm a big fan of this uh, of this company, as you can hear and as you have learned from our conversation, and I definitely want to continue supporting them. So send them some money, send them some support, get yourself some tunes. That's really as easy as it is. It's really, really a kick-ass way to get a lot of good uh, music and to support a really cool really cool people all right go to tableturned.com that's table-turn.com and get yourself a subscription today let's get back to this conversation with dane erbach So when did you like get into vinyl? 
Oh, um, like when I was really little, I think. <laughs> like, oh, really? Um, well, yeah, my parents, you know, my dad played music when we were growing up, and he was just in, like, cover bar bands and stuff, but, like, you know, like, I I knew how to put a record on when I was little, and we'd, we'd listen to, like, the same, we'd listen to, like, Motley Crue and just sing along to all these Motley Crue songs and stare at the Theater of Pain, the back of the Theater of Pain record cover, where, like, they're all dressed up in their, like, crazy, like, glam stuff. And, I mean, it's just, like, I don't know. These are my weird memories. My weird earliest memories of vinyl is staring at Motley Crue, you know? And uh, and then, so so there's always a record player around. And I guess when I was in high school, I just started, you know, I, I would go to record stores and be like, oh, this 7-inch is 2 bucks. Why not? And so the first record I bought was the um, Promise Ring, Texas is the Reason split. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's actually really like I feel very cool being able to tell people like that's the first like actual piece of vinyl that I bought with my own money. Um, but, but like you know, from that point, I just started the vinyl in the early two thousands just wasn't cool. So like I could just like I could pick up a one dollar record at a resale shop that was in decent condition, and you know I got a really really small collection going through college and mostly of my dad's stuff that you know all the his devo records and all of his cheap trick records and and stuff like that and then you know all of a sudden when vinyl started getting pressed again by kind of indie labels a little more readily like in the late 2000s i just found myself i i had already trashed my dad's turntable that i had hauled around to college with me and um i bought another one and just started you know paper and plastic was one of the labels that first kind of when they first started, I, I'm a big Less Than Jake fan, so when when um, that label started, I just started buying, like, oh, this is a, this Gator Face records on, like, like Violet Vinyl? That's awesome. Or, like, like I'd, I'd never even seen, like, transparent records and didn't know that mm-hmm. they could, you know, like, I didn't know they could come in more than one color or, you know, like, so I just, I, it wasn't really a collecting thing. Um, it just started snowballing though, to the point where like, it, you know, I bought a nice turntable and I finally was like, why not, why spend money on CDs when I can have this big piece of music, physical music and stuff. So, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm definitely not like a collector. Like I don't have a room of, of shelves and stuff. I only have a couple of shelves hanging off my ceiling with, you know, I probably, I probably have less than a hundred or, you know, actual records, but but, you know, I, I guess it's, I feel like it's always been in my life, even though I haven't been actively buying vinyl as my preferred, like, my preferred formats. And, for, and, you know, it's been the past five years or so. Yeah. Cool. Well, then how did you come up with the idea for Table Turned? And can you explain to folks what Table Turned is? Uh, unless they haven't heard me yeah, I know, it right? up <laughs> once a month since I started this podcast. Which, which, by the way, you have no idea how much I appreciate. Like, I feel like at a certain point, like, if I just, I, I just need to press the heart button to contain my, my joy that someone believes in us <laughs> as much as you do, you know? <laughs> it's a big deal. Because, so Table Turned is, is um, a vinyl subscription service where you pay, um, a lump fee up front. It's usually 175, although we're running that early bird special for 160, and then um, or 15 dollars a month for 12 months, and you pick from a couple of different genres that we um, make available. You have to subscribe in a certain subscription window time period, and then you know all of a sudden you'll start getting a record a month. And the idea behind it is 
say if you like post-hardcore music, well, let's send you some of the big, awesome post-hardcore music, uh, post-hardcore albums that maybe you don't have, but you already know, you know, you, these are your favorite records. And ideally, um, we'll send you some bands that you probably hadn't heard of yet. And so you're basically discovering new music um, and you're getting it on vinyl. And instead of, um, instead of signing up for a service where you're paying twice as much and you might end up getting some weird jazz fusion thing that you weren't, you know, you didn't think you'd want or, you know, not necessarily something you're interested in. Right. Well, you know, with table turned, you're going to at least get something, even if you don't know it, there's a good chance you'll probably like it. That's so that's kind of the idea. And, and I think when we came up with the idea, we're really thinking like, how, how do we, um, how do we create a service that's more about the music and less about the vinyl? And I think a lot of my thinking behind it was focused on that. Like a lot of subscription services are more focused on expanding your collection, but at the sake of your taste. I think that that is part of what drew me in because for a while I was looking at like vinyl me please or the vinyl that's V Y N. A lot of that stuff was like turning me off and it was all about like, get this exclusive thing. And I was like, I don't know how much I really like that. And then I saw that table turned was here's a genre. And if you pick a genre, we'll send you some stuff that you might like. And I'm a big post rock nerd. I'm a big instrumental fan. Mm -hmm. And so I'm one of those folks that like, I'll honestly, there's a lot of that stuff that I just will always hold on to because I can throw it on in any time. Yeah. And you're exactly right. You've sent me stuff that I had no idea what it was. And you've sent me some things that I did have, which I was like, all right, that was, that was the risk. I get it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I was really excited to support y'all because it was, it also came off to me as like authentic and more DIY than mm-hmm. the rest. And that was something that I wanted to be supporting and to be a part of and where I would yeah. prefer to send my money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that I appreciate too. I mean, like when we, we, the whole idea started with my, my father-in-law who I love. He's, I'm very lucky to have in-laws that I think are great. And he called me one day cause he, he, um, has this really great habit of coming up with the business ideas that obviously never go anywhere, but he just gets really excited for a little while about them. And he was like, Dane, I was watching Shark Tank and I saw there's a sock subscription service. And I thought that was so dumb. And, but you like vinyl. Have you ever thought of a vinyl subscription service? And the first thing I thought of honestly was like, you know, some of those labels like no sleep or top shelf has like, Mm -hmm. You know, they, they'll have like, you know, pay $200 and you'll get everything that we put out and then it'll be exclusive. And you know, mm-hmm. Tiny Engines just lost, launched one of those recently. And actually one of my buddies in, um, who runs Wiretap Records just did that too. I mean, there's there's some cool oh, things. I love Wiretap. Yeah, yeah. Rob is, is my bro. He's, he and I um, kind of started our labels around the same time, so we're in it together. But but yeah, anyway, the... Uh, I, you know, I thought of that, and I'm like, eh, it's kind of already happening. And then I thought, you know, oh, Vinyl Me Please. And I'm like, eh, Vinyl Me Please is just not the model. You know, like, people are doing it out there, and they're successful, but it's not really a thing I like, and I don't, you know, but it's a cool idea. Thanks for the idea. And then I hung up with them, and I'm like, wait a minute. What if mm-hmm. I, what, what, what would it look like if I did do it my way? And I, you know, I, that was my problem with Vinyl Me Please too. is I, you know, like, I'll, I'll never forget when they put out, um, not a surf's first album and i'm a big not a surf fan and i was like oh this 
was cool. And I, you know, for a second there, I was flirting with maybe like, oh, and they put out Pinkerton, you know, like we, mm-hmm. I'm, Weezer's one of the most important bands to me. And I was like, oh, this is really cool too. And it's like this big gatefold kind of thing. I wonder if I should cough up the money for it. And then, and then the next week it would be, you know, like some other, you know, it would be some Latin fusion thing or it'd be some like. Just something, something you're not really into. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, I don't like want to spend 30 bucks a month. Well, $30, you know. At that point, I had already started my record label, and so I knew how much I knew I know how much it costs to press a record. You know, so do I. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, of course you do. And I mean that record you pressed. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, anywho, the you know, so thirty. I couldn't reconcile thirty dollars a month, and especially because Vinyl Me Please presses their own records. They're essentially a label. You know, so mm-hmm. I was like, come, man, come on. Like this is, like I can I could probably find a copy of you know, Pinkerton, oh, and I did, on, on Discogs for, like, half the price, and it would be, yeah. you know, so, so, like, that's where Table Turn came from, was this idea that, first of all, music doesn't need to be, ex- vinyl doesn't need to be expensive just because it's trendy, and second of all, um, that if you're going to sign up for a record subscription service, it should be something that is going to feed you music you want to listen to, and you want to put on a turntable, not just one you're collecting for the sake of collecting. So... Mm. Um, and so that was, that. yeah. And, and then, you know, the DIY part of it is, is a big part of it. I mean, like we're working with big labels. Like, I mean, some of these, I'm not even sure, like, like, I'm not even sure how I got connected to them. Like relapse, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I, can, yeah, yeah. I can, I've bought a bunch of records from them for our packages just cause they make it really easy. Um, like, hey, what about that one? They're like, sure. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? You know, like they're really good at working with me. And, you know, there's some other, um, you know, like um, I, I will spill the beans on on one label that I reached out to. Um, we'll probably we're going to announce it in the next couple of weeks or so, too. But for our next subscription, um, for our next, uh, you know, a couple of subscriptions, one of them is going to be the shoegaze one. And, um, you know, I sent an email to polyvinyl and said what do you think and they're like yeah let's do it nice and i'm like what you know and being from illinois like like polyvinyl is one of those you know yep. every, you know they're every, right there they are and you know and i'm going to champagne in a couple of weeks just to i'll probably pose you know for another picture in front of the american football house it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> and you know it's like it's like a big part of who you know of, of who my musical identity is just you know all of those different, like, nerdy, like, mathy, angular, emo fans that, that they put out. And then, you know, but I've been a fan of theirs since they've, you know, as they've evolved, too. And just, you know, to know that one of these these bigger labels that sort of started from Humble Beginnings, too, wants to be part of what we're doing is, like, really, it's really exciting, you know? Equal Vision is another one of those, like... I mean, when I was listening to Coheed and Cambria in mm-hmm. high school, oh shoot, save the day in high school. Yep. You know, I had no idea that there's, there's a, I might be able to work with them. So, so really, but but despite those those bigger labels, you know, the DIY thing is really important. So we work with smaller labels. Like I want to work with um, labels that are doing cool things. So, but that might not have a huge name. One of the, this one label reached out to me called Goodland Records, and they um. And they're like, yeah, we might be a really good fit. So I listen to their music, and it's like really good, kind of like, I don't know, like different flavors of punk rock, but kind of like, I, I really loved that they all had kind of a folksy twist to it. And it was perfect for our Americana punk stuff. 
And so I, I ta- emailed the guy back, like, this is great. And he sent me a care package of s- records to sample. And then, you know, I'm taking a step back. And, you know, I became friends with the guy f- from the label on Facebook. I'm like, wait a minute. And I started doing some research, and I didn't realize it, but this is, like, the drummer from Limbeck. And I don't know if you ever got into that band. Yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. Like, And I'm like, he runs this label, so now I'm making... Like, well, and Goodland, Goodland is based in Wisconsin, right? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and but this was a label before this that I should have known, but I didn't. And now hmm. I'm and they're they're com- relatively smaller compared to some of the other labels, but but man, their music is great, and I'm so excited to share some of it with you know these people who are trusting us with their cash, you know, and yeah, with their for taste. Sure. And so I know again, I'm just rambling, but it's it's no, 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 to no, me no. to me you know doing table turn is really satisfying because. Um, I mean, it's kind of selfish, honestly, because I get to play tastemaker a little bit and curator, but it's yeah. really, it's really exciting though, more because I'm making friends, you know, and because, and, and both, you know, through labels and stuff, but also, you know, with subscribers like you, like people like, like, I, I mean, I, I know that, how do I put this? You know, like companies like Vinyl Me Please and Vinyl and stuff. Um, there's a couple other ones out there that are Vinyl Moon. Yeah, Vinyl Moon looks really interesting. I'm, musically, yeah. I'm not sure that it's it's right up my alley, but I love what they're doing. Yeah, with that's, artwork and stuff. That's what's kept me because, like, I'm I've listened to a lot of like the they'll post like their playlists, and I go to them like I don't know how much I would like listening to this, but the way that you make specific art for that record for that yeah. release is super cool. All that stuff is great. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's literally exactly how I feel. And I've been trying to kind of follow them because I'm interested in their journey too. Like, cause the thing about the vinyl subscription service in general is like, I, at first I thought these were my competitors, but then I realized like, honestly, most of my subscribers, are subscribing to all of the other ones too <laughs> so yeah. it's not really a competition it's really like it's really in a weird way it's really like different flavors of the same ice cream you know like mine's just the weird like indie flavor that maybe tastes kind of weird and looks kind of weird but is endearing and <laughs> you know and um and but that's the other thing is like it, it, to me it's important that diy ethos is really important to me it's like like, you know, you mentioned that you you got a couple of repeats, but I mean, like the whole business is built on that relationship where you should be able to yeah. email me and I should be able to send you another record if you want. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like, I, I messaged you like immediately and I was like, like the, you, you posted a teaser of the album Leaf record between waves. And I was like, ah, I have this one. And you were you were like immediately. Well, pick something else that I can just send you <laughs> to make up for that. Yeah. But you had already shipped the album leaf one and you're like, just hold on to that one too. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I just like, I, I lobbed it in a mystery box that I sent out to someone. So mm-hmm. they got an album leaf. Record. It's, yeah. It's like spreading the love. Right. I mean, like that's yeah. the point of it is like spreading the music around. I mean, that's one of the concepts behind table turn two is, you know, like, like some of these labels deserve a lot of love, but you know, there's, there's, they're, they're, you know, running a label, and and I know you probably feel this feeling like um, being a musician and stuff too, and it, it just sort of feels like you hit a wall, and there's only so many people, like you can reach because mm-hmm. I, the internet is loud and it's it's annoying and it's hard to cut through the noise to find the people who actually want to would care about what you're doing. It's it's way more disadvantageous than like it had to have been in the '90s. You know, I read a couple. There's a couple of great books out there, like. Merge Records put out a great book, and K Records, there's another book about them, and Lookout, and 
it just talks about like, yeah, man, we just like put out our friend's record and then found a distributor and sold 50,000 copies of a Green Day album. And you're like, <laughs> what? There was no internet well, back then. How did you do that's that? That's how easy it was. Yeah. I mean, and it obviously it definitely wasn't easy for them either, yeah, but, yeah. but it's still, but I was like, man, like, like, you know, my label, I can barely, you know, if I sell 50 records, 50 pre-orders, that's a really great pre-order, you know, yeah. but, but, um, but with Table Turned, you know, we're small. We're, it's, like, we're really modest. We're, like, Emily and I, like, stamp the the mailers on our dining room table and then hand no, the stamps to them. our sons who, like, so stamp themselves and stuff. I mean, like, we really, we're, 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 we keep things simple. It's not really about, like, you know, what drink pairs best with this album. It's, it's. It's really more just about like here's some music you might like and hey you know what if you don't like it you only spend fifteen bucks on it and free yeah. shipping so give it to somebody else and spread that exactly love and, and and stuff like that so yeah well and it comes with like a really cool like uh, info card too that I always think is really great I like learning a little bit more um, especially when you sent yeah when you spent the when you sent the Brave Young record I was like oh they're from Oregon that's so great it was yeah. nice to have a little piece of home. Uh, and that was like a brand new record too. So it felt like I was getting something that was just like super fresh, like right as it was coming out. That was a really good timing, uh, really good, well-timed release. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the thing that's, that's cool too about, you know, I appreciate that, that in or the, uh, your, your response to those cards, they're not really hard to make, but they are a little no, bit it of doesn't a seem like love, they would you know? be. I mean, like, they don't take very long to whip up, but, I, but I'm very intentional about it because, like, and this actually connects a lot back to the teacher conversation, which is, like, one of my philosophies is you need to get to know the human behind it. And when I, I used to have this, this website that I, um, I, you know, I wrote for a couple magazines, and then those magazines folded, so I just started my own blog, and the whole shtick behind the blog was I'd interview these bands, and I'd write up a little feature about them. But then I'd also ask them to play some of their songs over the phone, and I'd record them. And they were like stripped-down versions of these songs. So, and you know, I was able to interview some cool bands that I really, really admired. And you know, to hear like, like I don't know, I like Tony Sly, I uh, from No Use for a Name. I, I got to interview him honestly like a week before he like died, and that oh, was kind of crazy. I mean, but he was a musician that I admired for so long. So to hear him sing these like these slow kind of sad versions of these no use for name songs. I was like, dang. And, and what it did is it revealed the human behind the music. And that's, that's kind of been my mission is like, as a teacher, I want my students to see the human behind their educator. And as a music lover, I want people to see the humans that are actually creating the music behind it. And so even with that, that that's where that comes from with table turned is like, there's a reason I'm mentioning the label and there's a reason that there's a huge picture in this insert of the mm-hmm. band. You know, yeah. I want you to see, I want you to see the people whose voices you're hearing or whose, whose drums, you know, you're hearing and stuff. And, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a weird little remnant of the philosophy of, of that. You know, these are all just people playing music. It doesn't matter if they're popular or well-known. They're just, they're literally you and I only, they play their instruments. Well, probably not better than you, but definitely better than me. Oh, they're they're definitely so. better than me. I'm, <laughs> I hardly know how to string a song together. <laughs> Dude, I am telling you that record that you sent me is gorgeous. I mean, oh, it's gorgeous looking, you. but I mean gorgeous sounding. Oh. And I love the emotion that's packed into like the spoken word stuff. And I yeah. love that it's quiet and it's loud and it's really loud. And then it's really quiet. And I don't know, man. You like it's it's 
it's solid stuff. So thank you Aww. for that. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> hearing that because I I I destroyed myself trying to make sure that it was a well balanced release. And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the credit goes to Tyler Hicks of the band I.O., who's huh. an instrumental band as well. Um, originally from the Boston area, but they're in New York now. But um, they're fantastic. I'll send you some of their information, too. Cool. Yeah. Um, and they actually might be one that you might want to connect with for the 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 vinyl releases, because I know that they got some records stacking up. But um, mm, interesting. So, so something that I think is really interesting about what you do with Table Turn and what we've been talking about and what you've already covered is you're shuffling a bunch of different genres simultaneously mm-hmm. and a bunch of different labels. Mm-hmm. How do you manage all of those <laughs> at the same time, knowing that you are also a teacher, a family person, a writer, all the other things that you do? And you say that you kind of squeeze some of this stuff in on your lunch break. Yeah. Where are you managing it all? Do you just have like, are you just like my partner and have like amazing spreadsheets that keep you under control? <laughs> um, I wouldn't call them amazing, but they're very simple spreadsheets, but they do the trick. I mean, a lot of it is just keeping email chains like right there in my inbox and to be able to shuffle them to a folder when I'm done with them, you know, just to have, just to have what I need to in front of me. And then, but honestly, like, I mean, like, kind of like I said before, like, these are the things that make me excited. You know, like, like I mentioned my website, my, uh, the Switchboard Sessions, and there was a time when, you know, my my second son was about to be born, and I I had just, my, my one of my last sessions was um, Small Brown Bike, which is one of my favorite bands, and, um, and I remember finishing that interview with them, and I was like, oh, man... I think this is going to be it. Like, it just takes too much time to edit these songs. It takes too much time to write these features. I'm myself just for this. And I remember feeling like, I, what am I going to do if, when now that I don't want to do this anymore? Like, I can't, I can't not, I don't want to not be, have my hands in music somewhere, you know? And so that's where the label came from, is my, my desire to just, like, keep being part of music. And then what I realized, though, is, like, having a record label and having a vinyl subscription service and like these things keep me busy, but they're the, they're my outlets. Like they're my ways of, you know, like when I, um, you know, I'll send my brother, I have an identical twin brother and, uh, and he, yeah, <laughs> people are there, surprised. There, there's an insight. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and he, he and I are very similar in our, that we like indie music and we're very different in that we like very different indie music. So he really likes heavier stuff than I do. And I like heavy stuff, but he finds the weird heavy stuff that I'm like, dang. So the noise rock package really is his, he's my guy to bounce ideas off of there. And I've been, um, I've been working with this one label and trying to figure out what releases for that noise rock um, package would be good. And I'm bouncing it off my brother. And he's like, ah, more of this one and less that one. And I'm like, you know, but this is my way, this is my break. This is my, like, just talking music with my brother or like, you know, shooting a quick email to, to a label and saying like, Hey, what do you think of this? And, and, you know, like, this is my release. I think that's part of the balance is that when I, when I am able to, when like not doing this would leave a weird void, (laughs) which is yeah kind of, I mean, it's weird to say because because it makes my life so much busier like when i'm packing records it's a whole evening of just like like you know 
stuffing stuffing mailers, <laughs> stamping mailers, making sure you know. Sometimes we send we send birthday records out, so yep. you know, Thank knowing you for who's the slint and ten inch that was great. <laughs> I, oh man, I was so excited when I was able to pick that one up. I was like, this is like a record that I feel like most people who like post rock probably are like, I really you know, I think slint's pretty good, but you know, like Touch and Go is a label that's not. I don't know, like not really functioning as much anymore. And, and Slint is one of those bands that kind of invented post-rock. And it's like, so I was like so pumped up. Anyway, I'm diverting. So. Oh, but no worries we, you know, at all. When we're, when we're stuffing envelopes, we're stuffing mailers, we're trying to, we've got to keep track of whose birthday it is. And, you know, we have a couple subscribers who subscribe to two packages, so we need to make sure the postage on those <laughs> are the right postage and that it's the right label on the right record or the right package with the right records in it. And it's a lot, it's a lot to manage. But, you know, on those, when I finally have, like, a, a crate full of records to bring to the post office, I'm like, whew, that felt good, you know? It's <laughs> yeah, like a, no, I, it's like a... <laughs> I totally get that because um, I don't know if you know how I released that album that I put out, but it was through Kickstarter. Um, okay. And I was able to – I fundraised like, I don't know, like seven grand for it. And Holy cow. Jeez. Yeah, right? That's ridiculous, <laughs> right? And it was because there was a bunch of art involved and shirts and a bunch of other things involved. And I had like – I think it was like 150 pre-orders for it. Um, oh which my is obnoxious. God, awesome. I I know I get it. It's kind of, <laughs> it was overwhelming to get that much support, but since it was like my, my farewell thing for my dad, a lot of people came out and supported and I was really, I really loved that. And the vinyl Instagram community like crushed it for me. Yeah. And cool. one of the things that I loved doing was sitting down with Katie and kind of going through and like creating like a conveyor belt of packaging everything up it was Mm -hmm. so cool to see all of the boxes and all of the things we were shipping all the cds all the records and just being like oh we did we did this this is this feels so cool (laughs) yeah well you know and i think about that a lot too um that conveyor belt um because like you know my uh, you know the label running a record label in 2018 is not really easy especially when you're already a small label Mm mm-hmm and it's, you know, I love and, that your website, the, the, your website says we are a very small record label. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I need to emphasize that because I love that though. That's sometimes so people honest. come up to us and they're like, you know, like we're thinking like maybe run, you know, we, we were, we're looking for a small run of like pressing 2000 copies. And I'm like, dude, if we do 200, like you'll be like, I'll be happy. So, but anyway, um, th- that label and, and table turned like, you know, these are projects that I'm able to do right now. And I really hope that I can keep them both going. Table Turned is pretty much runs itself, but you know, Jetsam Flotsam is a you know you put I put a lot of money into those releases, and we don't get a ton of return back. Mm-hmm. Um, but but one of my goals is you know right now my five year old and my three year old don't really understand. They think records are pretty. They understand that mm-hmm. a record what a record player does a little bit. They're a little afraid of putting dropping the needle because it makes a loud noise that scares them. But but <laughs> they they um they understand right. But um you know how cool would it be if you were like I don't know. Now I'm thinking of me. Um because I think some thirteen year olds would not care. But if I was a 13-year-old, my dad was like, all right, man, time to pack the records. I'd be like, yeah. And, I, you know, like how I, I, I'm very excited to share this with my sons. It's like this is the long way of me saying. 
Like, I'm really excited for that moment where my son is, you know, my son comes home from school and says, dude, I heard about this one band. Will you check them out? And I'll be like, yes. You know what I mean? Like, that'll be super cool. My, um, my dad plays bass. You know, I told you he plays music and he handed my, my oldest, like this, like short scale bass guitar that my brother and I used to like literally just pound on when we were little. And my, my oldest was so excited. Like, he's like, this is a real guitar. And, like, so sometimes, I'll like, he'll, I'll go down to the basement or keep a lot of our, our music stuff, and he'll just be sitting with it and just, like, not really knowing what to do with it, but kind of just strumming it. And, and I'm like, yes. And I think, honestly, like, that's part of this that makes me so excited is right now this feels like a lot of work. And I'm sure my kids will not want to do this with me because they will be kids and not really – they'll want to play, you know, on their phones or whatever. But – but at some point, I'm really excited that maybe this is something that they'll want to do with me. Just like right now, my wife Emily wants to do it with me, you know, and, and it can become a bigger family thing. And maybe when I'm too old and out of touch, I can say, all right, the label's yours. Start releasing whatever records you want. All right, time for the music break portion of the podcast, bringing you some tunes from the new Man Mountain album, which you've heard throughout this episode. Uh, The song I'm going to play for you is called Memory Trace. It comes from the new album called Infinity Mirror, which is out this week through Spartan Records. If you like what you hear, go to SpartanRecords.com and get yourself a vinyl copy. They got vinyl up there. They got digital copies as well. I, I got myself the white, clear, and silver striped with the black splatter. It looks super cool because I unfortunately missed out on the clear with black smoke, which looks super sick. But you can get CDs, digital copy. You can get the get the vinyl as well. Love these folks. They make some great music and really glad that Spartan is putting out this album with them. It's really great. If you like what you hear, check out more of their tunes. Uh, and yeah, comes out this week. So here's the song Memory Trace from Man Mountain.
All right, that was Memory Trace by Man Mountain. If you like what you heard, go to SpartanRecords.com or ManMountain.BandCamp.com and get yourself a copy right now. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Dane Erbach. The thing that I love about doing these is I get to listen and I get to engage. And uh, the whole the whole reason I started this podcast was to elevate the voices of people who might not have as big of an outlet as I, th- as I personally think they should. And yeah. um, mostly because I see a lot of, I started it as an education podcast first because I saw a lot of education podcasts really only focusing on elevating a lot of the same voices. And mm-hmm. a lot of my colleagues who have podcasts, they do that. And I, it's not like knocking on any of them. It's just more of, I want to hear from other people. I want to hear, yeah, totally. People share their truths, their perspectives, like you sharing what it's like in your classroom is really meaningful to me. You sharing the DIY work that you do with um, your your record label and Table Turned, all of that is super meaningful to me because I've had to sit through the same presentations by the same people in my field over and over again. And I want to share some voices that deserve to be heard. And so... Um, I say that also having just interviewed Julian Baker, who has like a huge <laughs> following now. So like, that yeah, was but... like my exception. <laughs> we can wrap this up with a quick lightning round and then whatever sure, else yeah. we want to finish up with. These are just quick, kind of off the top of your head, throw them at me, kind of like just little things that you like in life. I don't know, sure. whatever. Your favorite color. Brown. Oh, Okay. <laughs> your favorite food oh cheese fries cheese fries <laughs> yeah we were, we're my wife and i like are really bad at it like every night we just make an oven full of fries and dip them in like nacho cheese and stuff it's pretty awesome I mean, and terrible i had poutine so. the other night so i get it nice <laughs> uh do you have a favorite animal um i you know honestly probably not but i'm definitely like cat person dog person so that's what i was gonna ask we have a lot dog of pets or cat? yeah i mean I, if i had to pick probably cat but i'm i'm still a dog person too okay do you have a favorite book yeah catcher in the rye okay um but that yeah i mean that's like such a cliche english teacher answer but it's it's the book that first spoke to me for sure Hmm. I, um, so of Salinger, I really prefer a perfect day to be a banana fish. Uh huh. That story was one of the first stories that really messed me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what it is about catcher. I mean, I was a non reader in high school and then all of a sudden I read that book and I was suddenly a reader and like, I don't, I mean, it was literally transformative. So that's awesome. What about movies? Um, okay. So I'm a sucker, and and listen, I've been coming to terms with this, but I'm, like, really into, like, the Aliens movies. Oh. And, and like, and now I'm not, like, a huge sci-fi nerd, I promise. I'm not, but I've pretty much been only reading Aliens books lately, and I'm in in pretty deep, Craig. I don't know what to do. And I think my wife is going to go and hang out with, like, her friends on Friday night, and I'm just going to watch an Aliens movie. So I have to say that. <laughs> I'm glad that you're, like, kind of defeatist while talking I don't about know. It. Yeah. <laughs> what about TV? Do you have a favorite TV show all time, current? Um, I don't know. Futurama? Ugh. 
We are best that a... friends. That is oh, great. Okay. I thought that ugh was in like. No, I have a Bender tattoo. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Wait, I'm. Is it on your ass? No, no, no. I wish. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 on my one of my forearms, and it's just him with his arms crossed. Like looking angry, but then the banner says "fun on a bun." <laughs> that is really awesome! Oh my yep. gosh! Yep, yep, yep. That's great. I, I, I could we we could have a whole conversation about Futurama, but we'll save that for another yeah, day, for the next podcast. Yeah, I I like to wrap things up uh, in the lightning round with a favorite band or album, or just uh some some band or album that maybe changed your life. Ah. <sighs> Man, that's a hard one. I mean, so I'll say this because this is just what comes to mind immediately. I had some students ask me what my favorite band was the other day, and I told them to screw off because it's too hard of a question for me to answer. But so when I and I'm going to try to end, I'm going to try to do not to tell a long story, but but you know, um, I my friends and I went to go see a show at a local skate park, and um, and because Tony Hawk was skating there or something, and it was kind of confusing. Anyway, we accidentally kind of saw Wonder Rise Against first shows there. Uh, and then the band that played after was this ska band that was, like, really metal. Nice. And, like, they had these two guitar players. Yeah, and I had no idea what was going on there until I saw them selling merch. And they're this Chicago band called Hot Stove Jimmy. Their first record is, like, really ska, but their second one is called Theme for a Major Hit. And it's like dark hmm. and like kind of creepy. And it's like got like these organs, but it's also got these, you know, the guitars play these chords that like hit the full, like, like hit the full spectrum of, of notes in that chord. And, and then the horns are just twisted and I don't know. And the singer kind of growls. He doesn't really sing. That band sort of became this other band that released some music on go-kart called Cougars. But seeing that band and then hearing that, album and then that band changing into a new band and them all being from Chicago and and actually I think the singer for that band teaches art at the community college right like in the same town that I teach in um I mean like there's there's this local connection it was the right music like I'm a I'm kind of a, a ska apologist um but that was it's not really ska it's just like loud and gritty and and yeah so anyway Hot Stove Jimmy's theme for a major hit is is a record that is I know kind of obscure, but it, it really like like you were talking about that Salinger story, like that record really messed me up for a while. Dang. So, I wasn't expecting yeah. that, but I love that we went there. Um, yeah, sorry. I mean I could have I could have talked about a lot of different albums, but for some reason. Oh no, I dig it. Mind. I dig it. Uh one last thing. What was your favorite album of last year? Oh, okay, so um, Tiny Engines released the um, Emperor X's um, album. Oh, and dude. Have you heard that one? Oh, yeah, and he's great. Yeah, and, you know, and I, I like his older stuff, but it's a little more, like, quirky. But that record, oh, man, like, like it brings me to tears at times. And, like, I mean, it's, it's like weird folky punk with, like, keyboards and stuff. But, mm-hmm. man, that was a good one. That one really hit my heart. That was a good record. Yeah, it's yeah, and he's like a really cool performer and stuff. He, he was on the road with, uh, um, I believe Animal Flag or people like you last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. 
one of my friends' bands here in Boston. I can't I can't remember exactly who he toured with, oh. but I'm pretty sure it was Animal Flag. But um, yeah, me too, me too. And they have an amazing album that's about to come out. So, oh, keep cool. your ears peeled. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> it's coming Sweet. out on Flower Girl and Triple Crown. So keep your, oh yeah, keep your ears peeled. Okay, cool. All right, man. Uh, how can folks get a hold of you? Um, I or guess reach out to you. I, honestly, like I'm like Table Turned has a Twitter account and um, and an Instagram account, and obviously Facebook, but Facebook's kind of stupid. But um, Twitter and Instagram are really easy ways. And and really, you know, if anyone is interested in subscribing, and has questions, Dane at TableTurned.com is the easiest way to get in touch with me, just via email. But I also have you're like, pretty you know, responsive for a guy who has so much going on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I try, you know, but again, like this is this is my thing. This, this stuff makes make my life meaningful. I mean, it's one of the things that makes my life meaningful. So I'm happy to answer questions and stuff. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me tonight. This was a lot of fun, and I cannot wait to meet meet in human form sometime soon. Hopefully, yeah. in summer. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know when you are in Chicago. We'll try to we'll try a little. I'll try a little harder to to make the connection. It's all good, yeah. and come out to Boston sometime. We'll have fun. Yeah. We'll hang out. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Cool, man. That's it. We did it. Another episode done. Another one in the books. Feels good. I'm stretching. I'm stretching it out. It feels good to have another one done. Uh, really want to thank Dane for spending some time with me to chat about Table Turned and his experiences as an educator. Loved learning from his many, many, many stories. Cannot wait to hook up with him in the near future and hang out sometime. Because dang, it really feels like when when you get to meet someone that you really feel like you just hang, you would hang out with that person like every day if you lived in the same place. That's kind of how that conversation felt, how how it went. To loved that. If you liked what you heard on this episode, go to tableturned.com, table-turned.com, and support Dane's work and get yourself a vinyl subscription, even if you don't even have. A big collection right now. This is a good way to get it started. It's a good, cheap way uh, to support a DIY vinyl subscription company. As you heard, him and his wife run it out of their living room with their kids. Like, it's a super... Super uh, low key organization. It's not. You're not going to get swamped by the the bigger vinyl subscription organizations. It's a great DIY efforts here. Love supporting these folks. If you like what you heard, uh, for the music on this episode, go to SpartanRecords.com and get a new copy of Man Mountain's album, Infinity Mirror. You heard uh, a bunch of their tunes throughout this episode. It's some very beautiful, very intense at the same time instrumental music. I cannot wait for my vinyl record to show up this week. I am so thankful I was able to share their tunes with you this week. Please rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends. Share the podcast. Let them know that uh, we're doing some okay work over here. I think we're doing okay work at least. I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. My bias. I'm a biased guy. Whatevs. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Craig Bittedman if you want, or follow the podcast at EdupunksPod. And yeah, we'll be back with another conversation next week. Until then, let's get to work. <laughs>